On this episode, we are joined by Lindsay Rush, owner of Beyond Physical Therapy, and she is going to walk us through some of the tough questions us first-time marathon runners often have. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Spark. Welcome to the Spark, everybody. Today, we are joined with our guest, Lindsay Rush, owner of Beyond Physical Therapy. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm really excited for this one. How have you been? I'm good. Thanks a lot, Troy. I'm super excited to be here. So Beyond Physical Therapy there, now, can you tell us what is it? How, how did you get started? Sure. So no one really knows what physical therapy is. So I almost wish I could get rid of that physical therapy part of the title um, because there's just so many different aspects of physical therapy and I'm just one little niche of it. So um, my background is in orthopedics and especially in manual therapy. So what that means is that I like to touch people and <laughs> specifically people with joint pain, with muscle pain um, and people who are mobile, active, um, you know, someone who can either, you know, walk in to see me or, um, someone that like, you know, doesn't need, you know, let's say like help, like getting out of bed they, sure. they're pretty relatively healthy. Um, and so what I do is I will either go to, so I'll usually go to them actually. It's a mobile practice. So I keep a massage table in the oh, back of my car. Nice. Yeah. So I'm like the Grubhub or Uber yeah, Eats of yeah. like physical therapy. So cutting edge. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, because people are busy. You know, who has time to, you know, drive across town in traffic, like find someone to watch the kids, like leave work during lunch. Like we, we just don't have time. So let me come to you and get your recovery going even faster. That's perfect. That's awesome. So how would somebody get a hold of you? Yeah, so um, I do have a website. It's uh, beyondtx.com. Unfortunately, uh, uh, in the giant internet that we have, someone took Beyond PT, so I have to be Beyond TX, which is like the short for the big bucks for it. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's beyondtx.com. I'm also on uh, Facebook at beyondtx and on Instagram at. Hello Beyond TX. So those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Um, I actually talk to a lot of my patients through Facebook Messenger just because it's the most convenient. Yeah, so streamline, pretty easy going. Exactly. Cut out any you know middleman. It's literally just me right now. So when you you know, email me or when you you know go to Facebook, you're gonna get a response directly from me. Sounds like we gotta build a Grubhub style app. Like, uh, yeah, I'll take the uh, my shoulder hurts here and this hurts there. Uh, combo basket uh, right. <laughs> coming right up. Right, exactly. I'll bring uh, my cups yeah. and my needles, and yeah, it'll be all good. We'll have a party. <laughs> so this one here, we're talking about first-time marathon runners, mm -hmm. um, long first-time long-distance runners, what have you. What are some precautionary measures uh, to, to take maybe before, after the run, anything kind of going into it blind, what would you advise? Yeah, so for the first timer, first of all, realize that even though we all have feet, running doesn't come natural to everyone. <laughs> you know, there everyone has a different background going into it. Like I was a 
I was an athlete in high school, but like I played like ball sports that involved sprinting, you know, basketball, softball, volleyball, that kind of thing. And like running anything longer than the distance of a basketball court was like, you know, was punishment, you right. know, like, oh, you guys didn't play good enough defense, go run some sprints. So like, you know, so that was like my background with running until I became an adult and then realized that like sprinting and long distance running are two completely different things. Yeah. So realize that if you haven't done long distance running in the past, it's a completely different animal. Sure. Um, and one of the things that really helped me and I found that helps my patients, if they have absolutely no idea what they're doing, and first of all, you know, they're gonna do what everybody does. They're gonna Google like how yeah. to run, they're Google gonna go on Pinterest, right now, yeah. yeah. You know, they're gonna look on the Instagrams and all that kind of stuff to see, you know, find like people who will teach them like how to run. Yeah. The hard part with that is uh, you know, you're looking at a generic recipe and everyone's body is different. You know, someone that's, yeah. you know, five, two and a hundred pounds is gonna run differently than someone who's 62 and 250 pounds. So, you know, if you are really serious about especially if you're going into distance running, like you're talking like half marathon and marathon where you're going to be logging a lot of miles, mm-hmm. I highly recommend finding a running coach or finding a trainer that has some background sure. in running. You may not need it and it depends on how serious you want to get. Like I mean, you can enlist um a coach that comes to you, you can enlist a coach online that just kind of monitors your progress and your mileage. Um, or you can just see like say a trainer for a couple of sessions just to have them like watch you move and help you address any issues. But I really don't recommend just like buying a pair of shoes and like force gumping it out the door. Oh God, that's what I did. It's over. Forget <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, forget it. No, actually it's amazing though. Like some people actually adapt really well. So I guess, you know, one of the big things is that if you're going to just go and buy a pair of shoes and go like running out the door, yeah. pace yourself. Like don't expect that you're going to be able to run 26.2 miles that first time, you know, you, you hit the pavement. Really, you're going to have to build up slowly because your body yeah. is undergoing a lot of forces. I mean, every sure. time your foot hits the ground, that's like almost 2,000 pounds of force that's hitting that foot. So Man. yeah, it's it's a lot. And your body needs to get used to mitigating all of those stresses, both from a bony perspective and your muscles and ligaments. And it's a lot for it to get used to. So you mentioned uh, throw a pair of shoes on and go out the door. So would you recommend maybe visiting a good feet store or a running store right off the bat and then getting fitted and... Uh, and how often would you would you maybe change those if it starts to wear a certain way? How how would you recommend sure. the, the you know the tool, the main tool, the shoes? Right. Yep. Exactly. So we could probably do an entirely separate podcast just on footwear. Like <laughs> you can do a deep nerdy dive into footwear. But basically, um, you know, if you're going to get serious about logging a lot of miles, I would recommend you know, go to you know, a running store especially one that has a treadmill in-house. Um, so you can try on shoes, you can get on a treadmill right away because like, you know, if you're just gonna walk into like, you know, a, a department store and go like, oh, those shoes are purple. Yeah. I like purple, I'm gonna get those. <laughs> those nice. Yeah, and then, you know, you like jog a couple of steps <laughs> and like, you know, the aisle, like that's that's not even close to what you're gonna be doing. Like, even running on a treadmill at a running store isn't close, but at sure. least they'll give you a chance to like kind of get into your stride and you can tell that you personally as a runner can tell pretty quickly this shoe is great this shoe sucks right you know, and and comfort is huge if that shoe is not comfortable the second you put it on your foot and the second you start running 
forget it. I don't so care how her. cute that shoe is or yeah. what the name brand is or what that like salesperson at the running store told you. <laughs> if that shoe is not comfortable, it is not the shoe for you. And actually the research supports that as well. Sure. So comfort is absolute numero uno. Um, the other thing to look for in a running shoe is the quality of the shoe. And uh, in the running shoe world, typically the more you pay for a shoe, the better the materials a shoe is made out of. Oh, this life we live in, that's like I know, everything. I know, <laughs> I know. I wish I could say like, oh, there's this there's this like underground brand of like amazing <laughs> shoes, blah, blah. No. It doesn't no. exist. No, no. You need a shoe that's made of quality materials that's that's stout enough to hold up to the forces that you're going to sure. be putting on. So, Any brands you recommend offhand? You know, it's really individually based. Yeah, But, okay. you know, the big ones, you're, you know, Brooks, New Balance, Asics, okay. um, Saucony, I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly. Um, Hoka's are good. Like, but I, and when I say that though, this is a huge range of types of shoes. Yeah. So, you know, see what's within your your budget, your price point. You don't need to drop like you know three hundred dollars on a pair of shoes, but right. expect on a good pair, you're going to be spending at least a hundred. You know, I've been out and doing some runs. Just did a half marathon, and I noticed some people with the like the glove shoe or yeah the, you stick your toes in it what what's the deal with that yeah so that's a minimalist shoe okay. and that's as minimalist as you can go yeah there's a whole other school of thought out there about how we as a society wearing shoes have gotten away from how our feet should actually move like on the earth and back in the day when we were you know hunting you know mammoths and saber-toothed tigers that we were doing this all barefoot and our feet were much better um, equipped to support us for those tasks. Sure. And so now there's this like, and this has been around for a while. I mean, this has really been around for the seventies, but it gained a lot of traction probably like 10 years ago. This yeah. whole like barefoot minimalist running kind of thing. Uh -huh. Um, and the idea behind it is that it's a way for you to get more like foot strengthening and run in a more like kind of quote unquote natural pattern. Okay. However, there's you know a flip side to this too. Uh, always, yeah, the always, yeah. It's never that simple. Like, oh yeah, right. just you know, run barefoot or put these like slide these five yeah. finger vibrams on. No problem. Um, you're good. Yeah, no, um, because you wear shoes every other time you're right. on your feet, and so now you're going to try to absorb two thousand pounds of force with zero padding under your foot. Like, it's a massive transition. Yeah, it sounds pretty. Uh... That's a lot when he keeps saying 2,000 pounds. That's like, oh my God, that's what I'm going to be thinking about every step. Right. 2,000, 4,000. Right. But like, our bodies are amazing, right? We're so phenomenally adaptable and we're meant to be able to take on those types of forces, especially like self induced body weight forces. Right. But, you know, with those types of shoes, you know, you have to condition yourself to be able to use those shoes. I have nothing against them. I, I think the theory behind them is fantastic. Sure. Um, and actually, what when it comes to types of shoes, what the research really supports is that there is no one type of shoe that is best. And there's even given your foot type, you know, some people have really like flat pancake feet. Some yeah, people have like super high arches, arches yeah, right. that kind of thing. You know, matching the type of shoe, like say a, you know, uh, stability shoe that has a lot of buildup for the arch to someone who has a high arch doesn't necessarily mean that that's the shoe that's going to work for that person. Okay. Um, so number one was comfort yeah. to the runner. And the other piece is that you have actually, you're, you're mixing it up between different types of shoes. Okay. So if you're going to try to do the minimalist running, it's fine if you want to do that for some of your runs, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't recommend doing that for 
all of your runs all of your all of the time like have you know ideally in any person no matter what your footwear situation you should have two pairs of shoes Ah, okay so there's a couple reasons behind that one is that if you are running consecutive days your shoes are made of some form of foam on Mm -hmm. the inside that foam for the most part takes 24 hours to totally like re um, like refill itself, rehydrate. Whoa. Um, yeah. Just blew my mind with that. Yeah. So if yeah. you're running a second day on the same pair of shoes, those shoes have not recovered yet. So you've actually uh-huh. lost support for to the next day. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, that, yeah. It's not you say it makes sense. I have two of the same exact pair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not broken at the same time, but I'm mm-hmm. trying to kind of get them there. Yeah. And I know it's a pretty big difference, but I haven't ran for a few days and I put the old one back on and it felt... It felt just like the newer one, so it was kind of like ah, maybe we got a little spring back in it. Yep, yep, that's exactly it. Yep. So that that. twenty-four hours, so that's a big deal, and you know you need to replace your shoes every three to five hundred miles. Okay. Um, So that, and it it depends. Like you'll see on your shoe as it starts getting worn. Like if you look at the bottom of the shoe, it'll start to show like some wrinkles in the foam. You'll be able to like fold it in half, like a taco, really (laughs) easily, or you'll be able like wring it out like a washcloth. Like that's a sign you've worn those shoes too long. So you know, yeah. So if you can fold your shoe in half, you can wring it out. Those are two major like red flags that you need a new shoe. Go back to the shoe store. Yeah, go back to the shoe store. Or you probably should have gone back like a month a ago, ago so that you could break the new shoe in and, and do that. But I mean, going all the way back to like the, you know, the uh, minimalist shoe runners, if you're going to do that, the bottom line is you have to ease yourself in. Sure. Like start with very short runs doing that. You have to have some major calf strength and flexibility mm-hmm. and the bottoms of your feet really have to be primed for that. So if that's a priority really go slow like super slow like not like running pace slow but ease into it slowly or if you're going from like let's say like a huge shoe like like a like a um like a hoka like Uh those like big rocker bottom Mm -hmm. kind of things and you want to go to a minimalist shoe you need to like this is like a two-year plan for you as stepping it yeah like step it down from like a hoka to something with a little bit less of like a cushion on the bottom and then a little bit less a little bit less like work your way down otherwise you're looking at some massive achilles issues or knee issues or anything really if you're making that drastic of a change right you you mentioned during that you were talking about uh kind of get fitted on the treadmill Mm -hmm. i want to know us here in Wisconsin, this weather is insane. Okay. So when I first started doing this training, it was a lot of mer- uh, a lot of treadmill, mm-hmm. and then I moved on to the, the gym that had a track. Mm-hmm. And now, weather's gotten 30s, super warm. You know, right? Bring out the swimsuits. Uh, yeah. Out to, on the outdoor running. What's your opinion? Uh, treadmill versus track versus outdoor. Yeah. You know, pros and cons. Okay. So. You know, obviously, like you said, you know, if you live in a climate where we have winter and we have ice and we have snow, you know, treadmill obviously is going to be safer. Yeah. Right? So if you want to reproduce more similarly the effects of what it's like running outside, run with your treadmill on a like 1% grade. Okay. Like that is your new zero. Never like, I mean, you can run with it flat Mm -hmm. um, or if you go somewhere fancy where they have a decline treadmill by all means, like do that. But those are pretty hard to find. Yeah. Um, so, um, Pretend that a 1% grade is now your zero. So go from there. And then, you know, if you want to do hills and stuff like that on the treadmill, I highly recommend bringing some of that stuff in. It just depends on your, on your programming. Um, so 
Uh, there's that. And then with a treadmill too, it's a great time for you to be able to zero in on your running form you know, because you have complete control of your environment at that time. Right. So if you're trying to change something about your stride, like if you're trying to take like shorter steps, for example, mm-hmm. you can you know, turn on a metronome or there's this really cool app. I recommend this to everybody. It's called Run Cadence. It was actually created by a physical therapist oh. um, and it will... If you carry your phone with you, and I think it has like a like a Apple Watch sure. syncability or whatever, um, it will monitor your current like you know every time your foot hits the ground, it'll like figure out that beats so and the number of like steps per minute. Yeah, it'll figure out your cadence, and then if you want to change that, or if someone has told you that you need to change that, then it'll help you adjust that. It'll create different programs and it'll create a beat oh, how cool. for you. Yeah, so it's super intuitive. Yeah. Um, so, um, but when you're on a treadmill, that's a great time to do that because, you know, the treadmill belt is always going to move at the speed that you tell it to. Right. So then you can make some of those fine tuning tweaks without having to worry about like, you know, a crack in the sidewalk or, you know, suddenly a, a hill that's going to show up. So, right. um, and then, um, if you're going to run on a track, um, some things to be aware of on there. Most most tracks are either you know they're flat mm-hmm. or they have a little bit of you know of an embankment to yeah, one yeah. side. Most gyms are pretty good about this, where they'll say like every other day you change directions yep, yep. because obviously you don't want to always be making left turns this, like NASCAR I style. Know, I noticed that. Yeah, like if you'd miss two days running and get back on it, it's the same way. You started noticing just different things with with the calf and all these kinds of things going. What the? Yep. What's going on? Yeah, exactly. Because you're you're constantly and for the most part with tracks you're constantly in a turn unless yeah. it's a pretty big track um, so you're always turning on some of these different ankle muscles to control you and if you're putting on a lot of miles that way right. it's tough but if you you know if you're just sick of the monotony of a treadmill mm-hmm. and you just want to feel like you're you know getting somewhere moving, yeah. <laughs> moving you know it's it's an option but I wouldn't recommend doing like you know you know more a, a significant number of miles on an indoor track unless you're really used to it so one kind of thing maybe it's a myth i thought about was on the treadmill i felt like i wasn't pushing off Mm -hmm. as i would outdoors Mm -hmm. but then when i got on the track i felt i was pushing off at least moving my body into a certain direction Mm -hmm. but would that one degree incline or even deep kind of make up for that that body movement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's where that one percent is is helpful because that'll make you activate more of those muscles that are actually used to propel yourself forward. Because otherwise, yes, the the tread is what's you know moving you yeah. versus you moving it. But actually, um, you know, in the running studies that they've shown, our gait mechanics are not all that different on oh. a treadmill versus on open ground, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's just like a flat like street. Sure, um, but you know, doing that 1% grade, that's just going to, if you can give yourself any advantage, why, why not take Throw it? it there, so, right. yeah. So outdoor obviously would be the best. We're going to be running outdoors. Outdoor would, if the most you can run out there without, with being safe, right. would be the ideal situation, you know, of all three, obviously. Right. right. And like that being said, you know, when you're running outdoors, you know, it's super easy to just throw on your shoes, run out the door, run in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking earlier about, you know, you've got your like five mile like block yeah, you know, that right. you go around. Consider though, do you always run the same way when no, you do that I block? I switched it up. Good. Today I ran all the same way. Mm-hmm. That win was brutal, man. Yeah, I had to play to my advantage here. Yeah, thank you, but, April. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So I, it, I, I have, I've run it 
in opposite ways and you notice the hills you notice a few different things mm -hmm. going around and you notice a body change to it and you can kind of get acclimated to that little five mile track pretty fast. Right. So, you know, if you're going to run outside, change up your route, like go in different directions and, you know, go try different places to run. Like, you know, where, where we are here in Wisconsin, are, we have, you know, we're right by Lake Michigan. Like mm -hmm. there are some gorgeous running trails. Like if you go out there and it's amazing how like just going somewhere else to do a run just like rejuvenates you. Yeah. You're hitting some different surfaces. You're feeling some different types of incline, you know, so maybe some, you know, steeper incline lines or declines and like learning how your body you know adapts to that or even like the wind hits you differently yes, like yeah. um so all of that if you're going to run outside just make sure that you're, you're changing it up you know not running exactly the same route every, every single time. time gotcha or even like and if you're doing a um you know a, a marathon that's you know on pavement mm -hmm. It's not a bad thing either to try a little bit of trail running. Get a little gravel in there. Yeah, get a little running. gravel, get a you know, little bit of terrain. Like sure. that's great training for your ankle muscles. And when you're running on you know on dirt, on gravel, that kind of thing, it absorbs your impact a little bit more too. Oh, so it'll sure. save your joints maybe a little bit. So kind of nice, yeah. yeah. Anytime you can keep your body guessing, no matter what you're doing, whether you're running, whether you're lifting, any of that, our bodies respond to novel stimuli. And okay. whenever you can give them novel stimuli, your body will thank you. <laughs> as long as you don't give it too much. <laughs> so a couple things here, just this whole thing for me has been this hurts now this hurts now that hurts mm -hmm. a lot of discomfort but you know everything's been good so what are some common injuries and how can we avoid it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, i've heard a lot about plantar fasciitis it band calves different things like this is there what, what can we do? I'm going to lean on you for yeah. this one because I'm going yeah. to take this one to the bank. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I think one thing to discuss is the difference between discomfort and pain. Um, so runners are very acutely aware of what discomfort is. Mm -hmm. Now your discomfort is like your lungs burning mm -hmm. after you've been, you know, going for a long time where it's cold outside. Like that's, that's discomfort. Nothing bad is happening to you, but your body's not loving this situation, but you know, as soon as you go, you know, somewhere warm and you take a break and you take some nice breaths, like you're going to be fine in go. like moments. Right. Um, or even like the discomfort of like, you know, your calves are getting kind of tight and mm -hmm. sore as you're running along, you know, your low back starting to bark at you, like that kind of thing. If you're running and it's there, but it's not getting awful mm -hmm. than a compromising position and things like that right like it's not making you change the way that you're running right you know if your back hurts so much that you are limping yeah then it's only going to get worse from there because then other things are just going to start to get yeah, worse that's your baseline right there then and okay exactly so that's always a good like when in doubt if it's making me change my stride then it's time to either you know you got to slow down or make a couple of changes or address it and like this too like when you're running if you need to take a second and just stretch, ah, yes. it's not the worst thing in the world to just stop for a second and right. like just kind of recompose yourself, you know, grab a drink of water. Like, yeah. you know, when you're doing a marathon, there's going to be water stops anyway, where you're going to be yeah. changing your stride. So, you know, allow yourself to do that once around. Sometimes just a quick, you know, even like 30 second reset can mm -hmm. make a huge difference rather than being like, nope, I'm not stopping. Just I'm going to slog through yeah. this, you know, whether I like it or not. So, you know, um, but pain on the other hand, you know, that's something that, you know, as you're going, it's only getting worse. Um, when you stop, it's still there um, and it's lingering, especially if it lingers for more than like 48 hours. That's something you probably want to be aware of and, yeah. you know, 
give it some extra attention. You know, it's not abnormal the day that you, the first time that you run 18 miles for your calves to hate you, <laughs> you know, but like within, you know, two days ish, they should be a lot better. They may not even be a hundred percent by them, but they should be way better sure. than they were before. And if they're not, then, you know, that's something you need to pay attention to. And, and again, address in some way. Right. So. Um, so that's a big thing there. Just make sure you know if you are running in discomfort or if you're running in pain. Um, and then, you know, so then when you break it down, like by, by body part, Mm -hmm. it gets a little bit more complex because depending on what you're feeling and what's breaking down, sometimes that's not a local issue. Like plantar fasciitis Mm -hmm. is a great example plantar fasciitis more often than not is an issue somewhere else up the chain. Ah. Like either you have some weakness in even like, let's say your calf mm-hmm. or even up, like let's go up even higher, like in your hamstrings sure. um, or your hip flexors. And that's causing, because of the number of miles that you're putting on your feet being the first thing that hit the ground. And that might be the like piece that's going to start going for you right. rather than like feeling like hamstring pain or like hip pain. Right. Um, so, you know, you didn't kind of need to make yourself aware that if you like say have some plantar fasciitis symptoms mm-hmm. and you're doing the typical like frozen water bottle, like rolling on the yeah. bottom of your foot, that kind of thing. And if that's not changing it or not like making your runs better, uh-huh. it's probably a problem somewhere, somewhere else, else. Gotcha. that needs to be addressed. And until that's addressed, your foot is just going to continue, unfortunately, just to be the bearer of the bad news. Ah, okay. So, so like you mentioned in there, uh, some stretching and from what I hear foam roller is one of uh, runners best friends is there any stretches you could uh, you can kind of walk us through or, or foam rolling techniques or anything you would advise mm-hmm. to m- maybe aid in a little bit of recovery yeah so actually I'm gonna like kind of turn this around because the first thing that because that's a common question I get like what are some stretches I should do yeah. you know that kind of thing generally though Yes, stretching is great, and, mm. and I can definitely talk to you about some of the things, but one of the things that gets ignored a lot is strengthening. Mm. And when something feels tight, like let's say your hamstring feels tight, you know, it's that muscle between the back of your knee and your butt, um, oftentimes it can get kind of crampy, kind of seize up. Um, a lot of times, you know, I'll get these runners who will come in with this hamstring-like tightness, and I'll lay them on the table and lift up their leg to check their hamstring flexibility. And they can like kiss their knee, you know, like <laughs> yeah. your hamstring isn't tight, right? you know, but I mean, yes, it, it feels tight to you. But what probably is going on is that either your hamstring is weak or something else, you know, in that area is weak right, and your right. hamstring is taking the brunt of it and it's oh. making it feel tight. When a muscle is not strong enough to undergo the loads that we are putting on them, mm-hmm. they will they will tighten up because your body's trying to recruit as much of that muscle as absolutely possible and then that muscle starts to get spazzy and crampy and it feels tight even though it's and and then you can stretch it all day right and it's just not going to feel any better because you need to make it stronger or you need to make something around it stronger so that that muscle isn't getting over recruited beyond its capacity yeah that's that's really interesting that you say that there so would you would you mix in 
uh, maybe body weight training or weight training along with your marathon plan? I would, yes, absolutely. Um, it depends on the person and it depends on, you know, how, what your previous background with strengthening is. Sure. Um, but I highly recommend, at, you know, if you're training for a race, two of those training days should be strengthening days. Okay. And yes, you can still run on those days, certainly. And you want to be smart about your programming. I wouldn't do strengthening and your long run in In the the same same day, day. you know, or strengthening and like your like crazy tempo sprints that same day. Right. Um, But you can certainly do strengthening and like your short run in the same day because strengthening is only going to help reinforce things. And you can do, you can do body weight. That's perfectly fine. Um, You can do resistance training. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's really nothing that that's off limits. It's just a matter of knowing what your body can and can't handle. I'm a huge proponent of let's go beyond body weight and let's add some external load. You know, talking about that 2,000 pounds that you're, you know, mitigating. Yeah. Just doing, you know, air squats. That's, you know, 50% of your body weight on each leg. Right. So, you know, if you're 150 pounds, you're really only lifting 75 pounds per leg. That's nothing. So, you know, it certainly has its time and its place, but you know, you, it is safe for you to load yourself and load. I wouldn't go like maxing yourself out during this time, but you can still get into some higher, higher loads for sure. Very safely. And it'll carry over really well into your runs. That's something there that I probably should have included in mind. I kind of abandoned the entire thing Mm -hmm. when I started doing this. And especially if you've done it before. Like I can feel like stretching or whatnot might right now it happens to my calves are on fire but possibly they're not strong enough to be dealing with these long long ways and for a while uh i had it band problem you helped me out with that in the past Mm -hmm. my brother-in-law he was telling me why you strengthen this and that and you're good and then showed me some stretches but that definitely would be an answer to some of my personal questions that i have here Mm -hmm. um there's a couple other tools and other things that i've i've heard and done Uh, let me know what what you think maybe about rapid fire a little bit for sure uh a sauna or hot tub um heat is good muscles like heat uh, it brings blood flow to an area, um, and blood flow helps your muscles recover and heal. They can be super relaxing. That moisture is good, like to get in your oh, lungs. Yeah. Like you know, here in Wisconsin, it's cold, so it's just nice going somewhere, yes. yeah, you is. know, warm. And it's really good for your nervous system. It helps just calm everything down. So I'm I'm a huge fan of that from a recovery standpoint. You know, and and if you want to get in a hot tub and have a jet like beat on your calf and stuff like that, it feels good. It's oh, yeah. totally fine. Like none of it's really strong enough to like break up adhesions or anything like that. Sure. Um, but but it feels good. It's input into an area that's tight and sore, and you're promoting all that blood flow. So whether it's hot tub or sauna, you know, go for it. It's good to get a good sweat on. Just um, you know, just from a like body like replenishing standpoint, it's going to make and hopefully you know as you're running that you're hydrating really well. Yeah. So you know that's another way to encourage you to make sure that you are you know you're getting rid of all these body fluids you got to make sure you're putting them back in again so you know um yeah definitely a big fan so on the flip side how about ice ice yeah so um you know the popular thought was that ice helps reduce inflammation it's not true okay yeah so what actually happens is that when you put ice on it has a an effect on your nervous system it basically just 
numbs things and it calms down that nerve signaling into the area where you have some inflammation. Let's say you go for a run and you like notice like, oh crap, like my ankle is swollen. Right. You know, so you're immediately, you know, you're going to put some ice on it. I hope you would put some ice on it. And, and you want, when you have a swelling situation, ice is definitely a good thing because it's going to bring down that pain response that you're having. But most of the time when people ice, they also have a compression component to it. Okay. So if you've got that like bag of ice and then you take an ace wrap and you wrap that thing around your ankle and then you're elevating it, it's that compression and elevation that's helping get the inflammation out, uh-huh. not so much the ice. The uh-huh. ice is just calming down your nervous system to tell your brain that, hey, things aren't great here right now, but we can like cover this up for the moment and the rest of the body is doing its thing to get this inflammation out. Um, and then the other thing with ice is that it's temporary. You right. know, you're only frozen for so long and then you have to step back down right. on that foot. Right. And so your brain will get that signal that, you know, if the ice and the compression and the elevation did its job, if you stepped up back down on that foot and you get that sharp pain right back, like, yeah. you know, then that's your brain telling you like, mm, something's probably not, not quite right here. So, um, so ice is, you know, it, it's good for calming down an area that's painful. Um, and ideally, you know, the if you do it fairly quickly after you do a run, like ideally within like a few hours, um, and then um, probably doing it more than once. Like take a few hours off, get yourself to defrost, and then go back on go it back again. Yeah. So one, two more things here yep. that I've kind of seen out and about dur- during runs, and you know. Um, 5Ks or whatever. A lot of people have compression pants mm-hmm. and or kinesio tape. What are your thoughts there? Yeah. So, you know, there's there's all kinds of like compression garments out there. Um, there's compression socks, like athletic compression socks. Um, there's compression sleeves, like, you know, see them like on people's arms and on their legs and even like, yeah, compression tights and like full on like compression garments. Mm-hmm. Um, so what the compression does is it gives us a different like tactile input. Um, and it may have an effect on our lymphatic system. So our lymphatic system is our like body's like plumbing fluid mitigation system. When you get like swelling in an area, that's your, your lymphatic system sending fluids down into that area to try to heal that area. Um, and some people have pretty active lymphatic systems. Okay. Um, and so by having compression garments on, it can help keep that lymph response under control to some extent they're not and the other thing is too having that like let's say you're wearing like a a calf compression sleeve it's like giving your calf a hug it likes that i like to give my calf hugs all the time exactly (laughs) i rock those like all the time so so it feels good and it makes your brain just a little more aware that your calves might need just a little bit of special attention um or another thing i'll liken it to is like you know those like when when a dog is like freaking out in a thunderstorm and you give them like those like thunder shirts jacket that's kind of one of those things that the compression does it's like (laughs) a thunder jacket for your calves um so there's that tactile input that calming input to your nervous system and there's that compression that can help with with swelling. It's very individually based, so there's not a ton of research out on it in the athletic population. Sure. There's a lot of research out on it in like in the like elderly and in people with like known lymphatic like issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's super effective there. But in the athletic population, there's just not a ton that we know for sure just yet. But I'm, I'm, it's it's growing in popularity, so there's a lot more coming. Sure. So, so is there anything else last? 
advice you can offer to us as we try and tackle this 26.2 mile journey? <laughs> yeah, so be, be kind to yourself, I think is one of the biggest pieces of advice I give people. Um, it's amazing to have a goal and to have something to work toward and by all means, like push yourself, but enjoy the journey. You're, you know, figure out, you know, before you even sign up for your race, really like dig down and find out like, why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah. Because you know? there's times when you're going to be slogging it like out in the rain and it's mile eight of like, you know, 17. And, you know, you need to be able to have some sort of like internal motivation of, sure. you know, why you're putting yourself through this. Because then also, I think you're also going to, you know, respect and love your body just a little bit more too. Like, you know, if you are in like a pain situation, if you realize that like, you know, I'm running this marathon because, you know, it's on my it's on my bucket list and I think like lifetime fitness is super important. I want to be able to be fit, you know, for forever to be able to, you know, pass this, you know, idea onto my kids or you know whatever it might be. Um you know, go play in the yard with your kids and do something that like makes you smile. You know, it's <laughs> gonna break up the monotony. It's gonna give your body just a little bit of extra love and a little bit of extra rest, reconnect you with that why you're doing all of this. Yeah. And yeah, just, it, you know, in, reinvigorate you and enjoy that ride. Awesome. Well, Lindsay, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much yeah. uh, for doing this. Lindsay Rush, Beyond Physical Therapy. Uh, beyondtx.com mm -hmm. and Facebook. Yeah, Facebook at beyondtx and Instagram, hello beyondtx. Well, awesome. Thanks again. Uh, absolutely appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. It's been awesome. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Troy. And I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I want to give a huge thank you to Milwaukee Shirt Guys. If you need shirts, they've got your back. MilwaukeeShirtGuys.com. Again, huge thank you. Lindsay Rush and Beyond Physical Therapy. And until next time, win the day. See ya.